Today we're going to jump right back into Mark, picking up at uh, chapter 1, verse 2. I'm going to go on down through verse 8, take that chunk, talk about John the Baptist and, and what Mark's saying as he opens up the actual narrative of his gospel. Verse 2 opens and says that what he's about to tell us is a quote from Isaiah. Interestingly, it's what's known as a blended quote. A portion of that is from Isaiah. The other portion comes from uh, Exodus, and that is then picked up again by Malachi. And so as we look at this, the first portion is that Exodus-Malachi portion. It says, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. That is first found actually in Exodus as Israel is coming out of Egypt and they are getting ready to uh, go to the promised land. We've talked about a number of times. God sends uh, his presence, his Shekinah glory, sends, it, sends that ahead of them to guide them. Um, and, and that's what that reference is about. And then Malachi picks up that quote after Israel has returned from Babylon, which again, we've talked about a couple of times now, um, and uses it to talk about the time when God will send a messenger ahead of himself when he will return to the temple. And in Malachi, it's Malachi chapter three, it's in verse one, it says, see, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple. And that, as we've talked about, is the expectation that Israel has as um, Jesus comes on the scene and as Mark tells us, John the Baptist comes before him, um, was this expectation that at some point, God is going to return to the temple because God was in the first temple ahead of this, this now secondly built temple. And before that was in the tabernacle. And so Israel is, is waiting for the time when God will return to that temple. And so Mark grabs these two spots in Israel's history where this quote appears um, because he wants to call to everyone's attention and drive home the point that the exile is about to end. Uh, the, the promise is about to be fulfilled. Um, and then comes the second portion of the quote. It says, the voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. That is from Isaiah. And so the practice of blending quotes was such that you would put, in this case, two or three, depending on how you look at it, um, quotes together, but you would attribute that quote to the author who was the most important. So by saying this quote comes from Isaiah, Mark is telling us that the primary and most important part of this quote is actually the Isaiah piece, which is this piece, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And now this quote was coming from Isaiah during the period of Babylonian exile in preparation and anticipation of Israel being able to return to it. Israel. Um, but the point here is that there's someone coming ahead of God um, who will prepare the way. And so the splendid quote Mark uses to tip the reader of the time when God's promise is going to be fulfilled. And that time is going to be preceded by a messenger, uh, which is the way that God has worked um, throughout Israel's history. And then it goes on into the narrative about John. Um, we're gonna skip down and actually talk about verse six first. It says, John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. The description is important to us. It seems perhaps that uh, John is maybe a little crazy. Um, 
He's wearing camel's hair, eating bugs, and out in the wilderness. Um, that description is important because it calls to mind for Israel and the Jews, Elijah. Elijah was the great prophet of the Old Testament. Uh, and it was prophesied that before God would send the Messiah, Elijah would come. And if you read in Kings and you read about um, Elijah, you read that he was a hairy man. He wore a belt and he ate that diet. And so the fact that Mark tells us that John wore camel's hair, he was hairy, um, wore a belt and ate that diet, is telling us that this is the Elijah, this is the prophet, this is the forerunner that will come before the Messiah. Let's go back up to verse four. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Put yourself in the mind frame of first century Judaism. You're expecting the return of the Messiah. This is the period around which uh, the prophecies that appear in uh, Ezekiel and Daniel would have indicated that Messiah is to come. Um, so you're expecting, you're expecting that any day now, really. Um, and as we've said before, there are others who have popped up that claim to be Messiah, uh, only to be put down um, as rebels by Rome. Um, but the expectation is that God will be returning to his temple, that Messiah will be coming as a warrior king, and Jerusalem would, would again become the center of the world, so to speak, the seat of God. The fact that John shows up not in Jerusalem, but outside the walls in the wilderness, and the fact that this is now the second time that Mark has drawn our attention to the wilderness, first by using the quote from Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, and now telling us that it was in fact John who comes in the wilderness, not in the city, is important. The wilderness in the history of Israel is the place which Israel goes to rekindle its relationship with God. You think about the wandering of Israel after the first exodus, after the exodus from Egypt through the wilderness. It was the place where God sort of formed them as a people by giving them the Ten Commandments and all of the Judaic law. Um, the wilderness is the place through which they passed as they returned from Babylon. Um, we're gonna see when we talk again, as we go, go on, it's going to be the place that Jesus is thrust after his baptism um, to commune with the Holy Spirit, to be tested, um, but to sort of prove his sonship. And so the wilderness is that place which Israel goes to return to their sonship, to their, um, to, to their elect position, to their right relationship with God. And so it's, it's important then, and it's crucial, and, and it's profound that John shows up in the wilderness. And it says he's proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Um, it's hard to overstate how bizarre that actually would be. Uh, first of all, baptism is not something that um, exists within the rituals of 
Judaism, except for the time when a Gentile, a non-Jew, decided that they would like to become part of the Jewish nation. Um, and so baptism was the right by which they became Jewish, and it was self-administered. Um, what baptism was not was a, a symbol or an act of repentance, and it certainly was not anything to do with forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins had a particular ritual, a particular uh, sacrifice, and, and, and the, the highest moment of that is known as the Day of Atonement, and it was the time when the high priest would go into the temple, offer a sacrifice, and that would be the day that God would cleanse the nation of its sins, uh, offer forgiveness, and make everything right again. And that was to happen within the walls of Jerusalem, inside the temple, in the Holy of Holies. Forgiveness did not happen in the wilderness. And so for John to show up in the wilderness, talking about repenting um, and repenting for a forgiveness of sins was, was very much out of character, out of expectation. But as we're gonna see, everything about John and everything about Jesus was in some ways perfectly expected, but defied the actual expectations of the nation of Israel and particularly the leadership. Um, and then in verse five, it says, the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. And this is a complete subversion of the expectation. I mentioned earlier that Israel would have expected and did expect that God would return to his temple and it would be Jerusalem that would become the center of the world and that all nations would then look to Jerusalem, that would make pilgrimages to Jerusalem, that people would be descending upon the walls inside the city and that would be the place uh, where God once again fulfilled his promise, fulfilled his ultimate promise. Um, but here we see a reversal of that, and it was actually the people of Jerusalem and all the Judean country that now were leaving the walls of the city to come out to, to this oddity almost, um, preaching about repentance and forgiveness um, in a place where that was not supposed to happen, and, and talking about uh, rethinking. The, the word for uh, repentance here in the Greek is metanoia, and it literally means to think again. And so uh, what John was, was telling everyone, is like, hey, we gotta re rethink the way that we think about God, about holiness, about who we are as God's people. Uh, we need to come back to right relationship to God. And John was very much preparing Israel for the time when Jesus, as the judge, would come. We talked already a little bit about uh, John and the description that Mark gives us of him. So let's skip down to the part where John says that he's not fit to stoop down and remove his sandals. So I'm walking sort of back to the truck here, uh, walking along the gravel road, and you know, very clearly my, my, my feet are getting dirty. My shoes have walked through a creek, um, a little muddy now, dusty from the gravel. But in the first century, not only would they be dirty, but all these paths that they would have been running or walking along would also be roads that animals would be taking. Um, people would be riding donkeys, for example, or if you were moving your household, uh, you would obviously be moving your, your family members, your, your servants, your, everyone that lived with you. 
um, but you'd also be moving all your animals. And so animals do what animals do on the road. And so those, the roads were a mixture of the dirt, the dust, the grime, um, just of nature, but then also the defecation of all these animals that would travel it. So to be the one in the household who was responsible for removing sandals, removing uh, the footwear and washing the feet, uh, th that obviously becomes very important as Jesus does that um, later in the story. But that act and that role was the lowest in the household. Um, and so John is saying something very profound when he says, I'm not even good enough to be removing the sandals of the, the one that's coming after me. Um, and being one who is sort of, who has burst on the scene and is now somewhat of a rock star that everyone is now coming out to see, for him to say, hey, I'm not even good enough to be untying this guy's sandals is a profound statement about how great the one is that's coming next. And then, at, and then at the end, as, as Mark's wrapping up with his little story about John, he says, says, John says, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's very difficult to overemphasize how unexpected that, that statement was. Um, you know, we've, sort of belabored the point, but the expectation has been for millennia that, that, that God would come to the temple. Um, and so for John to say that Jesus would be baptizing with the Holy Spirit, that whatever it is that the Christ was coming to do um, was going to drench us in the way that John's water baptism did with God's spirit, uh, that's, that's very out of character with the story. So what do we, what do, we, what do, we do with sort of the this, this story that John is, or Mark is telling us about John? I mean, clearly it's, it's the introduction to the main, the main story, which is that of Jesus, right? Um, but I think there's a lot to be said and a lot to be taken from the ministry of John and things that he was saying. I mean, how many, how many times do we feel like we're in the wilderness? I don't think that experience, the experience of um, being out alone, either as a people sort of apart from God or individually apart from God, is something that necessarily is over. Um, we're real good at finding our way to the wilderness of turning our backs from God and suddenly we find ourselves groping in the dark, um, not feeling God's presence, not, not having a clear direction for our life, um, not, not understanding really what it's all about. Uh, and, and, you know, in my case, you know, just to, to be frank, perfectly frank, you know, like I found myself yelling at God. <laughs> um, sounds ridiculous when I say it, but that's the truth of the matter. I, I, you know, those periods of wilderness wandering can be dark times. But what John is talking about here and what, what Christ does, what the Messiah does for us is to bring us out of that, to come where we are, to meet us in the midst of that wilderness and to drench us with his spirit 
to draw us back to himself. The mission of Messiah, the mission of Christ that John is preparing the world for is a rescue mission. It is God breaking into this world to end our exile, to end our loneliness, to end our wayward thinking, to help us think better, to bring us back into right relationship with him. And so I don't know where you find yourself. Perhaps you are in a moment of, of wilderness wandering. And if that's, that's where you are, then please hear that there is a God who is calling you out of that. There is a people of God waiting to come alongside you, to hear his voice, to know his love, and to find your place. And if, and if this is not a time when you find yourself there, then perhaps you are called to be like John to be the voice in the midst of that wilderness for someone else. Um, ultimately, that is, that is the call of a disciple. That is the role that we are to play as followers of Jesus, to join with him in his rescue mission of this world. He, of course, has done the final act of redemption, but he calls us to be part of the reconciliation process. And so wherever you find yourself, my prayer for you is that, that you take from the story of John the comfort, the knowledge, the solace, and the peace that there is a Christ, there is a Messiah who offers you his spirit. <laughs>